Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Beyond the Pearls podcast, based on the Morning Report series from Elsevier. This podcast has been adapted for audio in collaboration with series editor Dr. Raj Dasgupta, as well as the volume editor for each book. Each episode features an in-depth case dissection format and aims to deliver practical, concise, and easy-to-digest information. And now, here's today's episode. Hi everyone, this is Paul Frank. Today we'll be discussing Case 5, Hydroseal Repair, from our upcoming textbook, Anesthesiology and Critical Care Morning Report, Beyond the Pearls. Our patient today is a 5-year-old boy who is undergoing repair of a hydroseal. He is otherwise healthy. What are the anesthetic options for this patient? This patient should undergo general anesthesia with either endotracheal intubation or a laryngeal mask airway, LMA. Either way, A caudal block will help reduce the depth of anesthesia required as well as help control postoperative pain. If we decide to intubate this patient, what size endotracheal tube will we use? In pediatrics, appropriate endotracheal tube size is given by the following formula. Age in years divided by 4 plus 3.5. So for our 5-year-old patient, 5 divided by 4 gives us either 1 or 1.5 doing some rounding, plus 3.5. So that leaves us with a size 4.5 or size 5 endotracheal tube. What is a caudal block? A caudal block is an epidural injection that anesthetizes the lowest dermatomal levels of the body. It provides good pain control for procedures below the umbilicus. It has been used for many years and is considered a very safe block. How is a caudal block placed? After consent is obtained, the patient is placed in the lateral decubitus position. The head is aimed down such that the chin is touching their chest, and their hips are aimed up such that their back is arched out towards you. A sterile prep and drape is applied to the sacral area. A needle aiming cephalad, aiming towards the head, is advanced through the sacral hiatus and the sacrococcygeal ligament into the sacral epidural space. Then aspirate on the syringe to confirm that there is no return of blood or cerebrospinal fluid. You then inject the local anesthetic and remove the needle. What are the potential complications of a caudal block? Well, it is important to remember that a caudal block is an epidural block, so the complications are very similar. There is a risk of accidental injection into the CSF space, known as an intrathecal injection. There is a risk of neural injury, of injury to spinal and nerve tissue. There is a risk of intravascular injection, accidentally injecting into a blood vessel. And there is a risk of infection. 
Shortly after caudal injection, the patient becomes apneic. What's going on? This is concerning for a high spinal or a total spinal, and this results from inadvertent intrathecal injection. So the dose of local anesthetic that was intended for the epidural space was accidentally injected into the CSF space. In kids, the first sign of this is apnea. In adults, the first signs are bradycardia and hypotension. So what should we do? Well, this patient will require intubation and mechanical ventilation. We also have to treat hypotension with fluids, vasopressors, and potentially chronotropes to restore their normal hemodynamics. We have to maintain this supportive care until the total spinal wears off. The patient stabilizes and surgery is rescheduled for the next week. How will you induce anesthesia in this patient? Most five-year-olds will not tolerate placement of an IV catheter while they're awake, so an inhaled induction is best. We can also consider pre-medication with oral midazolam, usually given 20 to 30 minutes before we're ready to go back to the operating room. Additionally, many hospitals have child life specialists who can help with age-appropriate distractions, things like electronics and normalizing the experience to help facilitate a smoother perioperative experience for patients and their families. What agents are best for an inhaled induction? The ideal agent is odorless, does not irritate the airway, maintains hemodynamic stability, and works quickly. The agents we have that most meet these criteria are sevoflurane and nitrous oxide, and they are often used together for an inhaled induction. Nitrous oxide in particular allows for a fast inhaled induction. Why isn't nitrous oxide used by itself for an inhaled induction? The short answer is that nitrous oxide is not potent enough to achieve an adequate depth of anesthesia. Taking a step back, minimum alveolar concentration, known as MAC, is the dose of an anesthetic agent such that half of patients who receive that dose of anesthetic agent do not move in response to a surgical stimulus, something like an incision. And MAC is expressed as a percentage of atmospheric pressure at sea level minus the vapor pressure. MAC is effectively an expression of the potency of a gas. The higher the MAC, the less potent the gas is. The MAC of nitrous oxide in adults is 104%. This leaves no room for oxygen. Why does nitrous oxide work so quickly? Nitrous oxide is administered in high concentrations, up to 70%. This higher inhaled concentration results in faster uptake by the blood and faster rise of alveolar concentration, which leads to a faster inhaled induction and is known as the concentration effect. Remembering that the MAC of nitrous oxide is 104%, an inhaled concentration of 70% is not enough to achieve one MAC of nitrous oxide. The patient is calm when you bring him into the operating room. You place the ventilator mask on his face and you turn on the sevoflurane and the nitrous oxide. He becomes tachycardic. His breathing is fast and irregular. His arms and legs are flailing. His eyes are disconjugate. What's going on? This is known as stage 2 and is common with inhaled induction, especially in kids. During stage 2, patients may develop upper airway obstruction. They may require a bit of jaw thrust to keep their airway open, and they may even require some positive pressure breaths during this time. Stage 2 findings will resolve as the depth of anesthesia increases and the patient enters what's known as stage 3, or general anesthesia. It's important to note that during stage 2, the risk of laryngospasm is elevated. So during this time, do not manipulate or stimulate the patient. Don't suction their airway, don't place an IV catheter, don't prep and drape them for surgery. 
The patient stops flailing and his tachycardia resolves. You easily place a laryngeal mask airway and place an IV catheter. The operation is uneventful. After surgery, you remove the LMA and place a ventilator mask over the patient's face. You see that he is trying to breathe, although there is no misting on the mask and no end tidal CO2 on the capnogram. What's going on? These findings are concerning for laryngospasm. The same way patients must go through stage 2 when they are being induced for general anesthesia, they also go through stage 2 when they are emerging from general anesthesia. So this is a suboptimal time to remove the airway as that stimulation can trigger laryngospasm, and that's likely what's happened here. The management in this case is to increase the FiO2 to 100%, close the adjustable pressure-limiting valve, the APL valve, to about 20 centimeters of water and apply some positive breaths to see if you can break the laryngospasm. You can also deepen the anesthetic with sevoflurane or propofol. What is the APL valve? What are the other major components of the anesthesia breathing circuit? The most commonly used anesthesia breathing circuit is known as the circle system. Major components are as follows. The fresh gas inlet provides a mixture of oxygen, air, and sometimes nitrous oxide to the circuit via either a wall pipeline source or E-cylinders on the back of the anesthesia machine. There are two one-directional valves within the circle system. One is on the inspiratory limb and one is on the expiratory limb. These prevent rebreathing of exhaled gases. There are two lengths of corrugated tubing in the circle system, one on the inspiratory limb and one on the expiratory limb. These are large caliber and low resistance. They're also very unlikely to kink. Both of these properties serve our purposes very well. The Y connector connects the patient via either the LMA, endotracheal tube, or ventilator mask to the rest of the circle system. It's important to note that calculation of dead space begins at the Y piece. The APL valve is the adjustable pressure limiting valve, and it allows for application of positive pressure during manual or spontaneous ventilation. The reservoir bag is a large distensible bladder that allows for manual ventilation and maintains a safe pressure in the circuit even if the APL valve is closed. Finally, the CO2 absorbent removes exhaled carbon dioxide before gas reaches the inspiratory limb, and this is commonly based on calcium hydroxide. Back to our patient. So after 45 seconds, the patient is still making respiratory effort, but there's no fogging on the face mask and no end tidal CO2 on capnogram. His oxygen saturation is now down to 72%, and his heart rate has dropped from 110 beats per minute down to 60 beats per minute. Now what? Ventilation needs to be reestablished quickly to prevent a hypoxic cardiac arrest. When all else fails, administer succinylcholine to relax the muscles of the airway and break the laryngospasm. You may need to give atropine to treat bradycardia. Rarely chest compressions are necessary after you give succinylcholine or atropine to help circulate these medications for them to take effect. The patient's ventilation and heart rate normalize after administration of succinylcholine and atropine. He is awake now, but he's coughing up pink frothy fluid, and his saturation is 88%. What's going on? During laryngospasm, he was making significant inspiratory effort, however, he was trying to inspire against a closed glottis. This can generate what's called negative pressure pulmonary edema. The treatment is mainly supportive. Apply supplemental oxygen and continuous positive airway pressure, CPAP, if necessary. However, if his oxygen level drops or if he becomes dyspneic, he may require reintubation. At the least, this patient should be monitored for 6 to 12 hours prior to discharge home. 
The patient's mom asked for codeine for post-operative pain control for her son. What do you say? Well, you should tell her that codeine is not a good choice for pediatric patients. Codeine is a prodrug of morphine, meaning that it is metabolized into morphine in the body. The enzyme that activates codeine into morphine in the body is known as CYP2D6, part of the cytochrome oxidase family of enzymes. There is significant genetic variability in the activity of CYP2D6. Some patients are what's called poor metabolizers, meaning that they have relatively little activity of the CYP2D6 enzyme. Therefore, very little codeine will be metabolized into morphine, and if it is, it will take a long time. There are some patients who are known as extensive or rapid metabolizers, and they have excessive activity of the CYP2D6 enzymes. In these patients, a dose of codeine is rapidly metabolized to morphine, and the patient effectively gets a large rapid bolus of morphine. These patients are at risk of overdose symptoms, including hypoxic and hypercapnic respiratory failure. Beyond the pearls, unrepaired hydrocele increases the risk of inguinal hernia in patients. If a patient develops laryngospasm during inhaled induction prior to intravenous catheter placement, you can give succinylcholine intramuscularly. The full dose is 4 mg per kilogram. Pink frothy fluid that's characteristic of negative pressure pulmonary edema results from extravasation of fluid from the pulmonary capillaries into the alveolar air spaces. To learn more about this and other topics, read our book. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Pearls podcast from Inside the Boards. This podcast is executive produced by Christopher Brightigan and Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Ars longa, vita brevis.